Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Everything is taking place that our nation is in, in one of the toughest times emotionally that uh, in quite some time. A lot of pressure, a lot of kind of prophecy regarding, uh, a lot of fallout regarding what will take place here in very, very shortly as far as Americans' decisions regarding the leadership of our nation. But the truth is, we're believers in Christ. And our hope comes from God, not in people. And of course, I encourage people to vote and we have voter guides out there, and we encourage you to look at the issues and prayerfully consider, you know, the decisions we make. But folks, we're believers. We're, we're Christ followers. And that's what we should be focusing on. I'm starting a new series today called The Calvary Road. It really comes out of a, a, a small book that, that I, I, I received many years ago, ago and from a, a, a teacher named Roy Hessian. And you may be familiar with the book. Again, it's been out probably 30, 40 years. But it's required reading for disciples because it prepares the ground. And I feel like that's kind of what we need to do. We need to go back to some real basics to prepare our hearts for what God wants to do. See, our goal, at least I hope it's your goal, is to be fruitful, to know that you've You've lived in this, this life and that you understand, as we've talked about, you know, that we're eternal beings, we talked about that last week, that really it's all about bearing fruit. It's about preparing for eternity. And then every single day, we're one step closer to that. And Jesus said, look, a lot of what we do in this life is going to be wood, it's going to be stubble, it's straw, it's burned up in a moment. It won't have lasting, uh, eternal impact. But those things that we do in faith, those things that we do in following Christ, are going to last forever. And so for us to, um, to judge that, I mean, he, ultimately God is the one who determines those things that have lasting impact. But what I believe we can do to stay on that path is to stay right there at the foot of the cross right there at the foot of the cross. I think that is, is our starting point every single day. That is where these wonderful things that have eternal impact, that's where they grow. And so I'm going to take us on a path in what we call the Calvary Road. And so how do we get to the foot of the cross? And it's, you know, as a pastor, you know, there's the pressure, you know, to tell jokes and to keep us happy and, 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 and you know, to play videos that make us laugh and, and, and again, to just keep us happy. And as a matter of fact, I was just thinking over these next several weeks, I was thinking, Lord, you know, the Calvary Road is not lined with musicians, not with clowns and toys and celebrations and fun and, and all that. It's just not. And, and so I was like, Lord, I... I mean, I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, are you sure you want me to do this? And God said, David, take, take us. So I feel I'm being obedient to God. And one of the things that I think is so powerful about this that I want to constantly remind us about is that at the, at the foot of the cross is fruitfulness. What is the goal? 
is change that produces life, that ultimately gets us to things that we, I think we all yearn for, and that is joy, that is peace, that is hope. Because when we try to achieve those things, if we try to achieve love outside the bounds of God's love, it's a cheap love. It's not, it's not a lasting love. When we try to go for faith that comes cheap, that is it's just like you know, uh, the kind of faith that I think the, the faith movement has created, that Christians should never go through difficult times, that it, it's, it's always up, it's never down, and you're just being negative. That, I think that's a kind of faith that when it is tested, people just crumble. And because, see, Paul never talked about that we would have a perfect life. I mean, matter of fact, if you're going to look at Paul's life as an example of, great, uh, of faith, it's not a real good one. He suffered the whole way along the way. So faith, hope, and then when we think about hope, hope, we've got to understand that our ultimate hope is not on this planet. hope you understand that. It does not reside here. We have a new heaven and a new earth coming. We're going to live with, with our Jesus forever and ever and ever. That's our hope, the hope of glory, the hope of eternal life. That's our hope. That's what Jesus preached. That's what the early church believed and taught. When, when, if we do a bait and switch even now, then we're shortchanging ourselves. So how do we get there? It's down this road. It's down this path. It's the one we don't want to go down. Every single day when I get up and I know I'm being challenged and I'm struggling with my flesh, as I'm sure you do too, and you're struggling with inside yourself with anger and, and pride and, and, and all the different things that rises up inside you and you're ashamed of yourself. You just know that what I'm doing is wrong. That Jesus is standing there. When we approach him, he just goes, that's where you need to go. Well, we're, we're, that's right down that road. You've got to follow me. You've got to follow me. So we're going to look at some topics here that this author, Roy Hessian, brings up. And it's, it's, again, it's powerful. Today we're going to talk about brokenness, the first step. Then we're going to talk about submission, separation, Unity, testing, and then finally, servanthood. To become a servant, that's no easy path. You know, we talk about servants here at Valley is a major component of what we do. We ask, when you go through our next step material, you know, we're asking you, I, you, know, we're asking you to connect with one another. We're act, asking you to serve and find your place in the body. That's critical. But becoming a servant is not an easy thing. It's not just something that we check off the box. And so we're going to look at that over the next several weeks. So I want to start with brokenness today. That is the first step. In Mark chapter 8, verses 34, or verse 34, he's, Jesus says, then he called the crowd, or, or just reading from the scripture, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. The journey of the Christian is following Christ. And following Christ is following his journey, which was a journey of selflessness, was a journey of brokenness, was a journey of fighting against his own selfish desire, his own will. And even Jesus, the Son of God, in his humanity, Went to, went to the Father and said, Father, is there any other way <laughs> that we can do this that, that does not involve beatings? 
humiliation, death, the worst possible death? Is there any other way? And the Lord said, no. This is the path I've called you to. And thank God he's not called us to that path. Well, some Christians that are. But for many of us, we will not probably have that experience in this life. But nonetheless, we still have a cross journey to take. And Jesus said it all begins with denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and we're going to learn what that means. And he says, and following me. In John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Remember we, we talked about that? What is the goal? Bearing much fruit. Why are you here today? Are you here today to appease the living God? Oh, don't do that. No, I think deep in your heart, you want more of God. You want more freedom. You want that peace, that joy, that life. You, you want something better than this life is providing. I know that's what's at the core. That's mine. I want to be fruitful. I want to have fruit coming out of my life that, it, it, that this time of the year as the, as the pumpkins, as the corn, everything matures. I want that. I want there to be a bumper crop of life coming out of me, following behind me. I know that's your heart. What Jesus is saying here is that you can't have that without him. You cannot have it without being connected to him in the vine. Apart from me, he says, you can do what? Nothing. That's a hard word. I, I camped on that. I was like, nothing, Lord? You mean really nothing? Nothing at all? Well, we can do some things in this world, but if you think in context with what I, what I just shared with you, the eternal something, he's saying, look, apart from me, you will not bear fruit that lasts. Can't take anything in this world with us except that which is sown in true faith that was created as a result of being connected to him in the vine. And he says, if we do, he's going to bear much fruit. And I like that. A lot of fruit. A bumper harvest. Then in John 15, verse 16, later, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Isn't that interesting? Jesus said his bearing fruit was a part of his motive as well. His desire for us is to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Hmm. And this goes back to some other teachings that Jesus has regarding wanting us to be fruitful believers. Jesus said, gave us that parable of the talents. And he gave each, you know, talents. And they went out, and those who multiplied those talents, there was one who buried it in the ground. Then there were those who sowed and invested those talents. And they came back and they doubled what they had. And God said, good and faithful servant, that was good. You took what I gave you, and you used to multiply it. You made more fruit from it. Well done. But the one who just buried it just said, you know, you know I'm just going to live my life. I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm not going to use my gifts. I'm just going to bury it. And I'm just going to hold on to the end because I don't want to take any risks. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to be made to feel anything like that. Then 
God says, no, that, that's not what I was looking for. He says, because I really want to bless you. I want you to get to the point where you ask anything in my name and I give it to you. But it totally makes sense that if our whole motive, our whole motive is selfish, that is, God's not gonna, that's like pouring gasoline into a fire. God's not going to do that. But if our, our hearts are broken, our hearts are prepared, our hearts, we are disciples following his path, bearing fruit for his name and his glory, he's just more than happy to pour out all the resources of the kingdom into us. He will most certainly do it. When we talk about brokenness, brokenness is seeing ourselves as we really are. What is brokenness? And, and I want to make a distinction here because I think when Roy Hessian wrote this, um, Stephen Curtis Ch- Chapman hadn't written, written a song yet about, you know, brokenness. We're all broken, his song. And he, Roy is looking at this differently than the way I think we look at it. Matter of fact, with the video too. When we, when we think of brokenness, we realize I am broken. I mean, I need help from God. My, I've got issues. I've got stuff. But that's not what we're talking. We're not looking at brokenness from this vantage point. What we're talking about is a brokenness that we recognize and we actually allow ourselves to be broken for him. Brokenness means to break, in, is, is to break our will. Ultimately is what we're talking about. Because we're willful. And we're good at it. We're all professional kids. Children, their willfulness, their selfishness comes right out to the surface. You know what it is. We confront it. It's clear. I want that, and I want it now. We just become adults, and we want what we want. We want it now. We just become really good at hiding it and manipulating it. You see, brokenness goes right at the core of that selfishness. And here's the, here's the deal, the dealio. You're going to be broken. You either choose to do it <laughs> and break yourself. In other words, to fall, as Jesus will say here in a moment, we fall on the rock and allow him to break us. Or the rock falls on us and we get what? Crushed. Your will and my will will be dealt with one way or another. If we follow him and we say, Lord, Lord, I, I want to follow you wherever you go. And he turns to us and he says, are you sure? Yes, sir, I want that eternal life. Yes, sir, I want all the fruit. Yes, sir, I want that. And he goes, okay, well, let me just tell you what this journey's like. It's going to be less of you and more of me. In the end, there'll be none of you and all of me. Whew. Tough stuff. So brokenness, though, what is it? It's seeing ourselves as we really are in desperate need of Christ. It's becoming self-aware in a Christian sense, in the biblical sense, in the kingdom sense, is seeing ourselves in the light of who Christ is, what he did. Now that, you know, well, we'll get into all this. It's our neediness, is recognizing how much we need him. Bill May, a good friend of mine who has since gone, off to be with, gone on to be with the Lord, said, we are not that different from those in the world. That was part of his message. And he talked about religious attitudes that skew our perspective, and it's so true. 
When we begin on our journey with Christ, we are so very, very aware of our sin, and we confess, and we're broken, and we shed tears over our brokenness. Actually, I'm not going to use that word in that context anymore because I'm changing that. But we're aware of our sin. We're aware of our need. And, but in time, what happens is, whether it be men or whether it be ministries or whatever it is, we begin to exchange our need for religion. And we make this whole journey into, well, if I just do this, wow, this is, this is actually working out pretty well. If I just act religious, then people will leave me alone. And people won't really see the true motive of my heart. They'll see less of the pride and, and the sin inside me if, if I just put forth that religious facade first, that'll make people go away and leave me alone. They'll invite me. But what happens is we begin to skew our perspective of everything when we allow those religious attitudes to come in. And what really happens is is hypocrisy takes root deeply, ugly. Man, the roots go down into our soul because we're acting religiously, but really our heart is not changing anymore. And it's going to come out in how we treat people. It's going to come out. Brokenness, keep moving this thing. Brokenness is the key to wholeness, emotional freedom. Because our emotions do betray us. Man, do they ever. We know what that's like. Having a great day, somebody crosses our path. Something crosses our will, and the first thing that comes up is, you know, we just start biting. Anger comes up in front. Man, believe me, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm in that class. <laughs> I know all about that stuff. My kids know all about that stuff. Andrew knows about that stuff. It just rises up, and when you, when you feel it and you know it, you're just like, what am I doing? Where's this coming from? What's this being fed from when I'm biting people, I'm snapping at people, I'm treating people unkindly? I've got a, you know, uh, a shortness. What it, where, where's that coming from? So our emotions di- display it right off the bat. But to get past that, we have got to go to the cross. We've got to allow our, our wills to be broken. And it starts on seeing that cross ahead of me to say, Lord Jesus, I need fixing <laughs> I need fixing, and I need to be on that journey toward you, following you, dealing with my selfishness, becoming aware of what's really going on inside me. And it's a a bigger thing than just what I just said, but the Holy Spirit is up to the task. Brokenness is the first step in becoming great in the kingdom of God. I'll never forget when I first showed up to man a church back in 1982. I had been saved about two years. I'll share some of this testimony on Monday night, but I was, I was being brought out of a lot of things in my life, a lot of real um, brokenness in, in that sense. But dysfunction is what we like to call it today. And, but man, I was eating. Man, I, was, I remember I was so hungry for the kingdom of God, and I was just enjoying the freedom that it was bringing to me. And so, man, I was just eating up. I was reading the Word just constantly. I mean, I was in class. If I wasn't reading the history book and I had a little extra time, I had a little little Bible and I just was reading. I had this little book called Promises to Live By that I just was taking and memorizing those verses. Just so hungry. So when I showed up in 1982 after being a believer for two 
years, I was like, look, I've arrived. Well, you guys can start doing ministry now because I'm here, and I'm good to go. And I'm bringing, and it was so amazing because I remember when I first showed up, they looked at me, looked at me up and down, and just said, well, here's a mop. You know, we need those floors cleaned. And I, or they came to me and said, look, there's this, this uh, wife whose husband was deployed, and she had a whole car, car full of screaming kids, and they said, can you take her around? She needs to go to different departments all over the base to get what, you know, to get what she needs while her husband is gone. And I'm like, I don't want, that's not ministry. Uh, where, where's the preaching? Where's the, where's the honorable positions? And I remember being very disillusioned right off the bat, but then realizing Jesus said, well, you did say, Lord, please use me, right? Well, I'm going to use you and use you up good. And I remember that beginning the journey in me of having to realize, wow, ministry, discipleship is being willing to do whatever God wants me to do, not just what I want to do. And a lot of times, man, do our, little, our little agendas come right up and we bring them into the local church. And part of the reason why we're trying to do what we're doing here at Valley, to become simpler, to focus, doesn't mean that we're trying to tell people what they can't do. We're like, look, we want to help you be more fruitful by doing what, what matters together. And that, you know, is coming as a result of, of the Holy Spirit's leading. He's, he's helping us. It's something we pray over. It's not something that we, you know, just very quickly just say, well, you know, how can I make Christians feel bad today, Lord? How can I really offend a bunch of believers? It's not it at all is being able to stand before the Lord and say, how can I lead them in the direction of greater fruitfulness in my life? That's what I have to stand before God and give an account for, okay? So think about that. First, that first step toward being great and being fruitful is being broken. Brokenness prepares us to be remade. 2 Corinthians 5.17, a verse we all are very familiar with, right? New creations in Christ. Behold, you know, the old man is dead. Behold, all things are new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Hallelujah. That's, some jump, that's a jumping up and down verse. But can I point out some things here? That's death. Therefore, as anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. Well, how, where does the old go? He dies. She dies. She's nailed to that cross. He's nailed to that cross. Bye-bye. And with all of him or her comes a lot of things that we put our stock in, our, our hopes, our dreams, our fantasies, things that we think that have to be crucified, things that we've been taught, things that are so ingrained into our, our psyche. But the new is here. God wants to replace us. And that see, every Christian has to realize that we are going through replacement therapy, man. He's removing us and replacing with him. Removing our selfish motives, removing what is broken in us, removing what is, that is damaged and replacing it with a new creation 
that is going to be hopeful, that is going to be joyful, that is going to be an energy-giving individual, that is not going to walk around just saying, how can I defraud someone? How can I rob them? How can I make them feel badly today? Instead of coming and saying, how can I pray for you? How can I serve you? How can I lift you up? How can I be someone who is an energy-giving individual? That does not come naturally from us as human beings. It just doesn't. Now, you may say, well, no, that's, I mean, I love to serve. But well, that's probably because you've been walking with the Lord quite a few years, and you've learned, you've suffered, and you've grown. So, brokenness prepares us to be remade, and we need to be remade. Boy, do we ever. I talked about this earlier. We've got to fall on the rock. We've got to fall on the rock or be crushed. And it requires our will, our action. See, our will can't be de- dealt with until we surrender our will. Our will can't be dealt with. You know, I know the scripture that talks about it says, you know, he causes us to will and to do of, of his good pleasure. And that, that's an interesting perspective, and I believe that. But once again, you know, theologically, there's always two views. There's the view of man looking up. And when we're looking up, it always seems like I'm the one doing this. And then there's the view of God looking down. And that's a totally different view. And that's a view of God having everything in control. And he causes us to will and to do his good pleasure. The elect, Jesus, you did not choose you, I chose you. That's all God perspective stuff. From our prayer, what, I can't be God. I can't control God. I can't, I can't get up there and look down like he can because I'm a human being. You and I are human. So what is our perspective? How do we see? How, we, all we have to do is say, well, he's God. I'm not. From my perspective, I need to be obedient. My perspective is I need to choose to surrender and to allow him to break me. Seeing Christ as first and foremost is where that all begins. Jesus said, look, you want to be fruitful, you've got to be in the vine. It starts with him. Now, that's the good news of out of all of this, that there is no one who I'd rather follow than Jesus. Oh, there's a lot of people out that everybody wants to follow and get behind and support and shout. Our, our leaders are kind of, kind of poor leaders these days, are they not? I mean, it's just embarrassing. But Jesus is one that we can follow. Jesus is one who has shown his love for you and me by dying on the cross for us. He lived a perfect life. There were no motives to try to rip you and I off. He did it selflessly. He is the one. It starts with him, ends with him. So how do we do that? Well, we wake up in the morning and we say, Jesus, my life doesn't belong to me. I belong to you. Your will, not my will. Isn't that how he taught us to pray, by the way? Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not just an incantation, by the way. And it's funny because I, you know, sports teams that I've been a part of, you know, they'll, they'll, they say the Lord's Prayer and they say it as fast as they possibly can so that it doesn't basically make any sense at all. And I just want to stop them and say, uh, stop, do you guys just realize what you just prayed? You basically said, you don't want any of your life 
you know, to be injected in what is getting ready to happen. What you're saying is, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. No, I mean, not, not holding any aspect of it back now. Lord, your will be done in all my religious activities. But when it comes to what I like, um, I need you out of there. <laughs> okay, Lord, I mean, you know. Uh-uh. It begins with him, first and foremost, your present, your past, your future, your relationships, how you treat people, what you do with your money, how you think. Everything needs to be Christ first and foremost. We call that kingdom around here. Just a, a word to describe the whole package. But that's what we're really talking about. Seeing myself is not all that, but my life is a simple offering. My life is a message. And that has two things, two responses to that. Because sometimes people can feel, and that's a danger of being a part of a collective, is to feel like, you know, the movie 1984, or the book, rather, that you're just, you know, a cogwheel in this mass of humanity. And that makes you feel depressed. And, and, but in the kingdom of God, that's the beauty. That when we surrender to the will and the heart and the you know, the vision of the kingdom of God, something incredibly individual comes out of that. They call it purpose. Rick Warren's been talking about that for 20 years. You begin to see that a God who sees all of creation says, I've got a plan for you. In all of this, it's very specific, it's very exciting, it's very unique, and it blends together with everybody else if you were, are willing to follow me. But that's the thing, is we hold on to our individual desires with a white-knuckled fist. It's like that little child who just won't let go of that toy. And the whole point is what you're trying to do is get the toy to put the piece on the, on the, the overall thing so they can enjoy what they have. And that's us. We just we protect you know, the little aspects of our life, and God says, give it up. I can't do with you what I want to do when you're gripping your money, when you're gripping your time, when you're gripping who you are, and you won't let it go. Then, then God is speaking to us. He's saying, I can't complete the work I want to do inside you to become the kind of great eternal being that I'm hoping to make you into. Our life is a message. What is the message? What is your life speaking right now? But don't be discouraged by that in case, you know, <laughs> I, I was just thinking of a, throwing out some book titles of our life might be, but I thought, well, no, that's not probably a good idea. But, but think about your life. If your life could be a book title, what would be the title? And so this is what I want to say. If yours is not a very encouraging title, God can change that today. He can begin to rewrite your life right now. And that's the powerful thing, is that God can we, can, we can make up time in a matter of minutes, literally, in our heart, if we begin to just set the sail to catch his wind and get the prow of the boat of our life moving in the right direction. And he can begin to do it point is so many of us we've got the set, sail set in our direction what we want and it's going away from him what is our greatest enemy to, uh, uh, you know regarding brokenness it's selfishness it is 
It's at the heart of everything that resists against God and resists when God is trying to remake us. And we could do this in reverse. Wherever there is selfishness, that's an unbroken area inside you. Wherever there's selfishness, that's an area that is resisting God. That's an area where more God wants to apply grace, but we won't let him. So, you know, we ask the Holy Spirit, because see, what you don't want to do is start navel-gazing and find self selfishness behind every corner of your heart and mind. That's not a good thing. It's not a fun thing to do. But cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, where am I resisting you? Where am I being selfish? Make sure you have a pen and paper nearby. A journal is a good idea. And let the Holy Spirit begin to show you. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because my boundaries have fallen in pleasant places for you. See, this is where David found his selfishness, by the way. He found his selfishness whenever God resisted him in those areas. Because David had a tremendous amount of passion. And that's good. But there were times when God said, no, 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 David, I, I'm, I, that's not... That's not what I have for you. I'm saving that for your son. Or I'm saving this for something else. Or, uh, you know, David, this is my department, okay? It's in those areas that I believe that the boundaries, when we push past boundaries, especially for mature Christians, by the way, when we push past the boundaries, that selfishness really is beginning to show itself. And so... For young Christians, selfishness is showing itself in inactivity. For older believers, selfishness shows itself in us pushing past. Are you getting this? It's pushing past where God has said, no, this is somebody else's line. No, this is, this is authority makes this decision. You're not the authority. You're not in charge. That's not your job. It's not your calling. It's our greatest enemy. And so what does that look like? It's my needs first, my recognition, my importance, my glory, me. When we're me-focused, Christ can't come out. He can't shine because we're trying to outshine him. And you know what? We never will. We'll never outshine him. So brokenness is bending the eye to the sea. The I, me, it's all about me. But when we bend, and we bend, and somebody gave a, a wonderful illustration of you know, a, a, a missionary in Japan. He used the illustration because they could understand it. He talked about how rice, when rice is first planted in the patties, <clears throat> it's straight as an arrow. But as it begins to load up with fruit, it begins to bend. And when it's fully bent over, you know it's ready to pick really easy to know. But when it stand up and it's stiffened back and it's not ready. So when we're fully bent over, bowed to Christ, that's when the fruit of our life is most evident. It involves letting God deal with our selfishness wherever it manifests. The enemy of brokenness is also false humility. And what is false humility? Acting humble in order to cover a true selfish motive or controlling agenda. That is advanced. That's advanced selfishness. That's 401. <laughs> and boy, we can do this. Jesus said, I'd rather you act like a child. Just let me see your selfishness out and out. 
rather than trying to be manipulative and trying to control and even letting that false humility. And it comes out with things like, well, I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to help you see what I know you really, really want. No, 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 you're trying to control me. No, 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 you're trying to get me to move in a direction that I'm not comfortable with. That deep in my heart, I believe that God has told me to do such and such, but yet you're trying to get me through hum false humility to try to get me to compromise. And that's not good. It's not good at all. Because what it does is it allows the roots of your own selfishness, my selfishness, to go deeper. We all do this, by the way. We're all pretty good at it. And only the Holy Spirit can point that out for us when he says, David, don't do that. Don't put on this false humility. Don't put on this hyper-spiritualism. Don't put on this, it's all about the kingdom of God because I know what your motive is. You just want you to shine more. Forgive me, Lord. Because it is all about him. I think a lot of, there are a lot of, and I, and I only address this because it's a glaring thing. I mean, you read in the news, people send me, they forward me these things about pastors falling all the time. We've had a few in our own community. Am I right? I'm like, let's just deal with the elephant in the room. And then there's some guys, big pastors of mega churches that are falling left and right. I just came back from a pastor's retreat for a few days. Andrea and I went away, and, and it was good for us because we're with a bunch, and we discussed this. You know, why are so many pastors falling? And I don't have the answer. But I do, when I think of this, I think I know at least one part of it. And that is, when you try to make ministry about you, well, then you get what you bring. And we're not saviors. And when, people, when, when pastors allow people to worship them that way or put them on pedestals, and you've heard me talk about the honor culture and that kind of stuff. That is not good. Never do that to a pastor. You set him up because God will crush whatever gets higher than him. He must. We can't let that happen. All Christian service without brokenness is likely selfishly driven and will result in the end pain. Another enemy of brokenness is pride. Pride is not hidden. It's manifested in a haughty, rebellious, controlling, pushy, unforgiving, self-righteous manner. Pride is ultimately the root of all sin. Pride attracts the enemy as a moth to the flame, since that was his sin. Pride is looking for recognition apart from the glory of God and will end in the open door to all manner of, of struggles, evils. When we're more concerned about others' brokenness and not our own, we are not broken. just not when we're not open to be led or taught by anyone that god sends we're not broken could come in the form of a child and so you know christianity it's funny because i was just reading this again recently because i love history and i love to go back sometimes and it's like lord why do we keep having to relearn these things because i think as a whole we're, we're not really good history students and sometimes we just have to go back and see, wow, we've been here before. Why are we relearning this all again? But God will send people. He's going to send people. And they're going to cross your will. Now that's not to mean that you're supposed to be helpless because there are times when we can appeal. We can go to those people and just say, 
look, I don't understand why we're in conflict right now, or why do I feel agitated toward you, or why do I feel like this is going on? That's when we need to go and cross that and just say, what's going on? And what we'll often find is that they're saying, look, I, there's a willfulness in you. I'm reacting to what I think is selfishness. I feel you're resisting me. I feel like you're pulling away. That's not good. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ is what the Bible teaches us. Most of our selfishness is going to be dealt with when we submit, when we see ourselves the way God sees us. It's in tremendous need. There's some biblical examples I won't share with you. You can look them up on your own. But look, why are we talking about this? Why are we getting on the, on the, on the, 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 the Calvary road? Why are we doing this? so that we can be more fruitful. It's not to get in the mud and not to let's bring up all our sin and let's, let's, let's just you know, revel in it to make ourselves feel good. You know that's not my heart, and it's never my motive. I'm not into making people feel bad. But like a coach, like a mentor, like anybody who loves you, sometimes we have to look at the uncomfortable stuff so that we can get to the good stuff. And that's what we're really after, fruitfulness, so that we can have more love, love for ourselves, love for people, that we can have more joy, joy that brings us our energy, our strength, joy that lifts other people so that people are attracted to you, hope, so that when we think about the future, it's with wide-eyed wonderment instead of, I have no clue. Mm -mm. So let's stand up this morning. Let's go after that fruitfulness. The good news is all God needs from us is just that willingness. <laughs> we have to bend over. We have to allow, bend in his direction. We have to allow ourselves. We've got to fall on the rock. And that's a choice. It is a choice. Let's pray together. Lord, we just come to you this morning. God, we're grateful, Lord, for your work, your power. I pray that you'd help us, teach us, lead us. Lord, we need your ever-powerful work inside us to become the kind of fruitful people that you want us to be, that you died on the cross for us to be, to have that, that, that living water coming up out of us. Lord, I pray you'd continue that work in us today. Lord, over these next weeks, God, may we just, just settle in with real expectation that greater, more powerful things are coming. In Jesus' name, amen.